Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. My essay this week is called Saints and Sinners. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, November 1st, 2015, which Sunday is All Saints Day. When Pope Francis canonized the 18th century Spanish missionary Junipero Serra as a saint on September 23rd, he provoked an immediate controversy. On the one hand, many Latinos were thrilled for their heritage to be honored. After all, Serra founded the first nine of 21 Spanish missions from San Diego to San Francisco. There's even a road named after him in my hometown. But others were horrified, especially some Native Americans. For them, Sarah represented the genocidal abuses of the Spanish conquistadors. We're stunned and we're in disbelief, said Valentin Lopez, chairman of the Amamutsan tribal band that's located along Monterey Bay in California. Lopez continues, We believe saints are supposed to be people who followed in the life of Jesus Christ in the words of Jesus Christ, there was no Jesus Christ lifestyle at the missions, he said. So, was Sarah a saint or a sinner? Maybe both? This Sunday, November 1st, Christians observe All Saints Day. But we do so in different ways and for different reasons. During its first 300 years, the church was more or less a persecuted sect, and so Christians celebrated their leaders, heroes, and especially the martyrs of the faith. Literature of the 4th century indicates that churches honored saints in their liturgies. Churches were named after saints. Relics were collected and honored. The dates of their death were commemorated, and special communion services were held at their tombs. Churches were even built on their tombs. The church eventually concluded that all believers who had died, and not just famous saints, should rightly be remembered. For Catholics, All Saints Day took final form in the year 835, when Pope Gregory IV ordered the Feast of All Saints to be universally observed on November 1st. Eastern Orthodox churches observe All Saints Day on the first Sunday after Pentecost. But for their part, some Protestants get positively nervous about celebrating the saints. We're much more comfortable celebrating Reformation Day on October 31st than All Saints Day on November 1st. Protestants point to the superstitions that developed across the centuries. In Luther's Wittenberg, for example, Prince Frederick the Wise had an extraordinary cache of sacred relics. An illustrated catalog by Lucas Cranach in 1509 listed nothing less than 5,005 articles, a tooth from Jerome, three pieces of Mary's cloak, a piece of gold from the three wise men, a piece of bread from the Last Supper, a strand from Jesus' beard, and on and on. By 1520, says Roland Baton, the collection of holy bones had grown to 19,013. 
These distortions of the gospel made Luther's blood boil. He wrote, What lies there are about relics. One claims to have a feather from the wing of the angel Gabriel, and the bishop of Mainz has a twig from Moses' burning bush. And by the way, how does it happen that 18 apostles are buried in Germany when Christ had only 12? Most galling of all to Luther, the church displayed these relics on All Saints' Day. And for the proper financial contribution, the Pope would reduce your time in purgatory up to 1,000, one, excuse me, 1,902,202 years and 270 days. Of course, we rightly repudiate such flagrant abuses. Protestants also get nervous about blurring the boundary between honoring the saints and worshiping the saints, that is, praying to them for protection, kissing icons of them, and treating them as mediators to God, or even co-redeemers with Christ. Protestants emphasize a distinction that both Catholics and Orthodox acknowledge, at least in theory if not in practice, that Christians honor or venerate the saints, but we don't worship them, for worship is due to God alone. Furthermore, Protestants disagree about the very definition of the saint. As the canonization of Sarah showed, Catholics use the word saint in a narrow and technical sense. Saints are Christians whose lives have been characterized by extraordinary holiness, heroic virtue, and the performance of miracles. Only the Pope can canonize a believer as a saint after a long and bureaucratic process. The first step to sainthood is beatification, for which there are three criteria, theological soundness, extreme holiness, and the performance of two miracles. The person is then honored as blessed so-and-so. To advance to sainthood, the believer must also be credited with two additional miracles. Whereas the beatified receive only local recognition, the saints are venerated worldwide. And whereas believers are permitted to venerate the beatified, veneration of a saint is mandated. And finally, the Pope's act of canonizing a saint is declared to be an infallible act meaning Catholics can be assured that the saint is worthy to be venerated and imitated, and that the saint can intercede for them. All this is way too complicated for Protestants. It's also discouraging. I'll never be a saint. When Pope John Paul II canonized Latin America's first indigenous saint, Juan Diego, a Nahutal Indian who converted to Catholicism in the early 16th century, a, re a retired bus driver named Bernardo Gomez complained. Gomez observed that canonizing Diego actually distanced ordinary believers from him, for they had loved him as a humble peasant person just like them, not someone famous and highly exalted to sainthood. Juan Diego was an ordinary man chosen by the Virgin to be her messenger, said Gomez. That's what he did. 
Protestants resonate with Bernardo Gomez. They maintain that all believers, and not just a famous few superstars, are what Paul says in Romans 1-7, called to be saints. We prefer the plural saints, which includes all believers, as opposed to the singular saint, which suggests an exalted status. Paul addressed his letters to all the saints in Rome, Ephesus, and Philippi. In this Protestant view, I'm a saint not because of my heroic deeds, my virtuous character, or my performance of miracles, but because God calls me to himself. In Luther's felicitous phrase, every believer is simultaneously a saint and sinner. We're an awkward mixture of both at once. But Protestants shouldn't throw out the baby with the bathwater. We shouldn't dismiss a practice just because it's abused. In our celebrity-obsessed culture, we need true saints. Protestants can do a better job of honoring the role that the saints can play in our Christian lives, especially for us who stress the personal nature of salvation, often slide into individualistic, privatistic, and even narcissistic patterns of discipleship. We should see ourselves as part of the greater community of all God's people. There's a social and corporate dimension to our journey with Jesus that rightly includes the saints. When I think about the saints, whether the especially holy like Mother Teresa or the egregiously fallen like Jimmy Swaggart, I'm reminded that my choices matter and my choices have consequences for my welfare. Believers are told to imitate not only Christ, but the saints. Paul urged his readers to imitate his way of life several times. Hebrews 6.12 commands us to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Other saints, by the choices they've made, have, what, have shipwrecked their faith in Paul's words, and I do well to consider them, too. In addition to imitation, there is consolation. The saints remind me that I'm not alone. Rather, I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who cheer me on to run with endurance the race that is set before me. Wherever I am on the Christian pilgrimage, in joy or despair, faith or doubt, sin or grace, many millions of believers have gone before me. Some have failed, others have triumphed. But at the end of the race, whether they ran well or poorly, they found rest in God's grace. So, this Sunday, celebrate the saints. We need both the Catholic and Protestant ideas of sainthood. The former challenge and inspire us. The latter offer consolation and encouragement for all the normal struggles of life. Find a fellow saint and share your journey with Jesus, encouraging one another to love and to good works. For books this week, I review a title by Marcus Borg.
It's the last book that he ever wrote. It's called Convictions, How I Learned What Matters Most. New York, HarperCollins, 2015, 241 pages. When Marcus Borg died in January 2015 at the age of 72 from idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, the Church lost an eloquent spokesman for a vibrant Christian faith. Borg was one of the very few prominent New Testament scholars who wrote simple books for a general audience, who was not embarrassed to declare his passion for a life of faith, who shared his own journey from conservative Lutheran upbringing to a progressive Christianity, and who was both unapologetic but ironic in presenting his views. Borg acknowledges that those who are familiar with his other books won't find anything new in this one. In some ways, he wrote the same book a dozen times. In his simple typology, there are five divisions in contemporary American Christianity. Conservative, conventional, what he calls uncertain Christians, former Christians, and then progressives. This book, writes Borg, is the story of my journey across the theological and political divides between the conventional Christianity of my childhood, a soft form of today's conservative Christianity, and progressive Christianity. It includes memories of growing up Christian more than a half century ago, the conversions, intellectual, political, and religious, that have changed how I see Christianity and indeed life itself, and the convictions that have flowed out of these conversions that now shape my vision of what it means to be Christian and American today. I take issue with Borg on any number of points, but I always like to remember a friend who said that if she had read Borg when she was in college instead of much later, she wouldn't have floundered in the wastelands of atheism for 10 years. After I finished this last book of Marcus Borg, I wished he was still here so that I could thank him. Marcus J. Borg, Convictions, How I Learned What Matters Most. For movies this week, we go to the country of India. In a recently released film called Meru, M-E-R-U, from 2015, everyone who had ever tried to climb the so-called shark's fin on the Himalayan Mount Meru over the past 30 years had failed, including <clears throat> the three elite climbers who are the subject of this adventure documentary, Conrad Anker, Jimmy Chin, and Renan Ozturk. In 2003, they turned back just 100 meters from the summit, due largely to a storm that idled them on the mountain cliff for four days. The technical difficulty of the shark spin, the harsh conditions, the lack of any Sherpa help for their 200 pounds of gear, and the inner demons of their backstories make for a good movie. 
They also make for melodrama, spurred on by a rather breathless cheerleader in John Krakauer. Although we admire these men for their exploits, like most extremists with a narrow obsession, they look and sound like one-dimensional people who, in the end of the day, are not very interesting. This film won the Audience Award at the Sundance Festival, and the scenery alone makes it worth watching. Once again, from the country of India, the film Meru. And finally, for poetry, we've posted the classic hymn For All the Saints, 1864, by William Howe. For all the saints who from their labor rest, who thee by faith before the world confessed, thy name, O Jesus, be forever blessed. Alleluia, alleluia. O blessed communion, fellowship divine, we feebly struggle, they in glory shine. Yet all are one in thee, for all are thine. Alleluia, alleluia. And when the fight is fierce, the warfare long, steals on the ear the distant triumph song. And hearts are brave again, and arms are strong. Alleluia, alleluia. From earth's wide bounds, from ocean's farthest coast, through gates of pearl streams in the countless host, singing to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Alleluia, alleluia. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, November 1st, 2015, All Saints Day. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.